This is Neil Isaacs. And this is Luis Suarez. And this is the Pivot Podcast, where we discuss how business owners and leaders adapt to change. Hey, guys. Um, welcome to another episode of the Pivot Podcast with Neil Isaacs and myself. Um, we've got a couple of cool stories. We even have a guest um, guest here with us today. We're going to introduce in a second, but it's been it's been a couple of days, a couple of weeks since last time we recorded an episode. Neil, what have you been up to and uh, just in general, how's, how have you been? I'm doing good, Lewis. It, it has been a little while. It's good to be back. It's good to be recording the pod. <laughs> but for me, it's business brokerage is just putting out fires. So I've been dealing with clients, trying to make dreams come true. Well, that's excellent. We, I know I said when I walked in, if the phone wasn't ringing, um, We'd have we'd have some problems, so it's better to stay busy than than the opposite. The phone is always ringing. <laughs> What's uh? Tell tell me uh? Have you had anything? Have you had anything interesting come up in the last couple of days or weeks? Um, have you learned anything in the last couple of weeks since since we did the last podcast, Neil? You know, I just had a closing this week, and I find there's a lesson in every closing. There's always a story, and in this closing, this was a laundromat, and. It was coming down to um, coming down to the wire, getting his deal done, and it was all about the lease. And they'd agreed on a business deal, but the buyer had to assume the seller's lease. Landlord was involved, and that part wasn't done. Oh man! I was starting to get a little bit nervous, and I realized everybody was coming to me, like the buyer was talking to me and then I was talking to the landlord and then the landlord was talking to me and I was talking to the buyer but the <laughs> buyer wasn't talking to the landlord interesting and these were two a type commanding figures right yeah yeah oh I'm familiar with that <laughs> and both of them were gray hairs oh uh, from you know how did you guys get past that I mean we did a lot of conference calls but ultimately it was putting everybody together in a room and talking mm. but the lesson for me was even though both of these people were positioning to me about what they their intentions were they were both afraid of each other in my opinion everybody's afraid of someone whether they're willing to admit it or not and I was afraid to, to talk with these people the first time I met with them yeah but it was part of my job and I got through it but they were afraid of each other Interesting. Interesting. Well, it's 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 surprising how much you can get done by just sitting sitting people down, and and having a discussion, you know, face to face. I think I think that's in my very job. Helpful. The more conversations you have, the more clarity. People have concerns. You have to push past concerns just by uncovering knowledge. Hmm. Hundred percent agree. Preach it, Neil. <laughs> What's going on in your world? <laughs> um, well, I things been things have been equally as busy. I think from the Tortuga side. Uh, if I had to say one thing in, in the last couple of weeks, the main thing that I've been focusing on is learning how to make a decision between, you know, what, what are we going to do versus what should we, what should we hire out? Um, what services should we bring on professionals for? Um, we're starting to get to a point where we're realizing that we can't do it all, you know, and that's okay. It's just about choosing what what services we're going to do ourselves and what services we're going to hire some pros to delegation to come in. That's right. That's right, Neil. So it's been, it's always a learning experience. I think, uh, as a new business owner, um, 
I'd never stop learning. And it's always someone new. It's I noticed, part, yeah, that is the fun part. I noticed a couple months ago, I was really big on, on following Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Um, and it, it changes, you know, it changes the people that you follow changes. And right now I've been listening to and watching a lot of Grant Cardone videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy's, it guy's changed a lot over the years. I will admit I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan back in the day. I think okay, there were a couple of videos that I saw, um, I wasn't a huge fan of his style, but I think over the years, he's really polished it up. He's great at content marketing for sure. He is. He is great at content marketing. One of his videos was about that. And segmenting. Like I noticed he really has multiple channels for different audiences. And he has different messages for different audiences. Agreed. And he knows where to talk to those audiences too. I think he's got that nailed. Heather, is that you? Hello? You'll hear the door open. Really? That wasn't it? Unless, oh. unless, because sometimes people come in the f- first door and they go to the architect. I'm secretly like expecting her to sneak up in her dinosaur suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but have you have you ever seen uh, have you ever seen her in uh, her dinosaur suit, Jared? Um, Jared, Jared's our Jared's our sound engineer. We have now helping us helping us produce these podcasts. He's he's listening to us. He's gonna edit the video, uh, edit the podcast later. But um, and he wore his dinosaur suit just in case Heather showed up. Her, so I, I hope she does show up. In the dinosaur it's, too, suit. it's too bad we don't have video. Or he's he's behind the camera, so you guys That's can right. see. Him. So just in general, the past couple of weeks have been have been a great learning experience. I think for the both of us. But enough mm-hmm. about me, uh, Neil. Uh, we, we do have a good friend of mine here with us today. She is the editor in chief over at Candace Slice. She is an in, uh, hidden history influencer with ABC Eleven, and she's actually co-founder. Uh, for a company now known as Activate Good. Uh, my name is Heather Lee. So welcome, Heather. Welcome, Heather. Glad to have you here. Hey, yeah. Glad to be here. Um, well, Heather, tell us a little bit about you. Um, Neil, and, Neil and I know you a little bit, but uh, for those people in our audience that don't, um, can you can you introduce introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, primarily what I do right now, um, my, my main job is to explore abandoned buildings and write about their stories. That's actually a job. It's an awesome job. Great job. That's and cool. um, so I look for hidden history in the Raleigh area or throughout North Carolina. And um, I usually go, I explore, I take photos, and I write about the stories. I collect oral histories. And a lot of it is to uh, protect history that's being forgotten but also to just explore cool-looking abandoned places that you don't normally get to see what's in there. Some of this history is fascinating. You're walking past it every day and have no idea. So um, I do that for um, Candid Slice, which is my website, uh, my, my digital publication. And then I also do it for ABC 11, WTVD. I also write for a few magazines, um, Wake Living Magazine. I write, I've write. i written for Triangle Downtowner, Boom, Carolina Parent. So I do a lot of freelance writing as well. That's pretty cool. And I, I bet a lot of our audience has heard of some of your work because some of your stuff, it goes viral. Yeah, what that's are some true. Of your, your biggest hits, if you will. Uh, definitely the first biggest hit was um, the Village Subway, which is the abandoned mall underneath Cameron Village. Uh, it was a big music scene. Uh, the Ramones and Pat Benatar and a lot of big names used to play down there in the 70s and early 80s. And then it closed down and was pretty much forgotten by the next generation. We go to Cameron Village and I have no idea that's down there. Um, another big hit was there was an abandoned neighborhood in Cary. And I was the first one to sort of uh, get that out there on the internet, and then it did go viral. It got picked up by Only in Your State, which made it go even 
more viral. People came down from New York to explore it uh, for their YouTube channels. Um, so that one was popular. Driving tourism in the triangle. I am. <laughs> and, uh, and recently I just did one for ABC 11 um, on Jordan Lake because underneath Jordan Lake, a lot of people don't know, is um, a bunch of farms and abandoned farmland. And That's true. I remember seeing that. Yeah, that one was a big one too. Yeah, that, just, that one just went viral so um, about a few weeks ago. So those are some big ones. Um, but my first one that actually gets forgotten a lot that went viral initially way, way back before we were big, um, I was still a preschool teacher and um, just starting Candid Slice. We had maybe, you know, 100 readers would make me really excited at the time. And um, we had uh, a volunteer week with the kids and I wanted to teach them all about volunteering and doing good in the community and empowering them to make a difference. And so we were working with Raleigh Rescue Mission and uh, we were making placemats for them, like inspiring placemats for the residents there. This is at the request of Raleigh Rescue Mission. And um, one of my students, uh, fifth grader, she wanted to write a letter for the people living there, the, the homeless people living at Raleigh Rescue Mission. And um, I snapped a quick photo of her letter and asked if I could put it on my website. I promised that I only have like 50 readers, so it's not going to be like a big deal. And sure enough, um, I put it up and Upworthy found it and put it up on Upworthy. Oh, wow. They have millions of followers and Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, all the big ones picked it up. And uh, I was like, oops, I'm sorry, it, it accidentally yeah. went viral, <laughs> which was my first experience with, with viral, but I've done more since then, yeah. yeah. Well, that kind of uh, leads into a couple of questions I have, but, but first of all, I mean, those are all pretty unique stories, and then especially like the Jordan Lake one and some of the other ones that went viral, how, like, how in the world do you come up with that? Well, um, there's a few different ways. Part of it, um, you know, I'm from Raleigh, I grew up okay. here. And uh, my family's from Raleigh, dating back oh, at least four generations in Raleigh and then other places in North Carolina before then. So we're very, very local. And so I've heard a lot of these stories from my grandmother. Um, she was 92 when she passed away, but she would share lots of stories with me and things that people don't normally know about. But um, sometimes also my dad is really into urban exploration and ghost stories. And a lot of it started with ghost stories and <laughs> finding haunted places. And um, but, but now part of it is just um, a lot of times like, okay, I did a story on the WPTF building. It's this um, abandoned radio station building. It's not really abandoned. It's just not in use anymore. But it's been sealed up since the 40s. And uh, it's just sitting out there on... Um, Oh gosh, is it Chatham Street or, or Maynard? It's right out there in that area of Cary. And um, I just took a picture of it because I thought it was neat looking. And, you know, pretty soon after, one of the DJs reached out to me and he asked if I'd like to go inside and explore it. Um, and I was like, yep. And then I got to interview um, Don Curtis, who is the owner. He's a living legend. He is. And, and he actually uh, told me about Bloomsbury Park. And I got, and then I wrote about Bloomsbury Park. <laughs> so sometimes when I'm talking to one, person for their story, they also love history. I mean, he, he loves history. And so he, he had lots of stories for me and that one really stuck with me. And I went and wrote about Bloomsbury Park. Um, so sometimes it's, it's just happenstance and plus people will just email me sometimes with ideas and, you know, that's just, the media connecting with people. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you meet someone, they, they tend to know somebody who has something right up your alley and feels really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, and I love that because um, I remember 
way back when I was a preschool teacher and wanting to become a writer, um, I had this dream of just interviewing people around the world and just getting their stories and collecting them. And I'm not quite traveling around the world yet, but it's the same essence, which is right now I do get to talk to lots of people, especially people who are, you know, they're in their golden years and they've got so many stories to share and, and a lot of people aren't necessarily listening. Um, and so I can go and hear their stories and protect and preserve that history and also, you know, let them have their story told to a broader audience, which is something they wouldn't necessarily have access to. So I love being able to do that. Wow, that's amazing. You know, what I'm hearing this this podcast is about adapting to change, and it sounds like you kind of had this plan, but there's been a lot of happenstance and opportunity, and you were just ready to take advantage of it. One thing leads to the next thing, and you're just primed and ready for those opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I can thank my dad for that. Um, anytime, I actually wrote an article one time. Um, it was for a company I worked for at the time, Imaginovation, and it was what to do when something goes viral. And there's all these steps you need to take. And I've read several articles about it, and most of them get it wrong because they haven't actually had something go viral. So they're just guessing what sounds good. Right. Um, but a lot of it is about taking advantage of that, that sure. momentum. Right. And so like when the village subway went viral, I immediately wrote a follow up village subway article and then contacted the media and went down there with the media with WREL at the time. Um, and then, um, you know, after that, I do a series of other follow up segments and go interview bands that used to play down there. I actually got a book deal. Um, just kind of randomly, they just contacted me. It's um, the History Press, and they wanted me to do a book on the Village Subway. And through that, I interviewed um, R.E.M., and I interviewed uh, Jimmy Buffett. And Jimmy Buffett is, is really nice. Um, he <laughs> he's, <laughs> he is. He, he called me, like, kind of randomly. Like, I had contacted, you know, the managers. And yeah. I happened to know somebody who knew somebody who knew his managers. Yeah. And they were like, we'll put you in touch. Um, otherwise, you never get through. And... Um, I'd given my phone number and I'm walking into my front door. I'd just gotten home and my phone rings and it's a number I don't recognize and I'm sure it must be him. And I'm just not prepared at all for an interview, but I, I had to go ahead and answer it and just sort of just have a conversation and try to try to get there. So yeah, it is, it's a lot about, um, preparing for what comes next and then knowing what to do with that momentum. Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain... Um, I think it's good sometimes just to be on edge. You kind of have to use that nervous <laughs> energy, right, and turn it into something creative and productive. And some people just freeze, and, mm -hmm. and some people kind of can have this power to lean into it a little bit and make things happen. Yeah, part of it is, um, okay, so like, for example, um, uh, you remember at the Designs Halloween party a, a couple oh, yeah, of years yeah, ago, and we had right. Lizard Lake Towing Company yeah. came out, and... Um, I happened to be the one that had been in charge of like inviting them and talking to them beforehand. And when they arrived, um, I just sort of ended up being the person making sure they were okay. You know, it was really busy and a lot of yeah, people were yeah. handling other things. And I just saw them standing over there and I was like, someone needs to go talk to them and make sure they're doing okay. So I went over there and ended up having a, a great conversation with them. And uh, my mom actually 
came by the event and then she got to meet them and, and she loves their show and she ended up really loving them because they're also like local North Carolinians and so they had a lot to talk about. Well, it turned out they know a lot of hidden history they do. and they invited me to come out and do hidden history with them. Oh, so I definitely have a future article coming up sometime where I'm going to uh, <laughs> take them up on that. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be fun. They've got some great uh, places to explore out in like the Zebulon Lizard Lake area. So I definitely... Wendale. Window, <laughs> yes. I definitely want to go out there and do that. I think that'd be a fun article. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. And speaking of, you know, just kind of all this, I think the uh, one of the most important things I personally think is that you, you did end up making the transition from being a teacher to what you're doing now. And I think a lot of people listening might be able to relate to that. I think a lot of people might still be at that initial stage. Um, so if you if you could you know address them, um, what's what's one thing that you would say that might help them? Pivot? Yeah, well, I'll say for one, if if I can do it, anybody really can do it. And I know that that's like really cliche, but I, I really mean it. Um, so I was a preschool teacher. I had been doing that for over ten years, or some some sort of teaching, whether I was teaching preschool or I was a director of a city of Raleigh camp for a while. Like I worked with different age groups and different camps and schools and preschools. But um, yeah, I worked with kids for I mean from age gosh nineteen to like thirty one or something. So um, thirty two maybe it was a while, and then um, I started my website, Candid Slice, with my dad as just a fun project. And I remember he said to me, he said, Heather, this website is going to be worth more to you than any college degree. And it's going to get you more jobs and more opportunities than any college degree. And I didn't believe him. I was like, you just, I was like, okay, yeah, dad, that, sure. And, but, but I did it anyway, because I thought this will be, he just retired, be fun to bond. Oh, he worked at IBM. So he had, a, and he was, I don't know his title, but developer. He, he made websites and. Um, I was gonna say, yeah. you know, most people build treehouse, you know, repair cars together, do something like that. But we built a website that's, together. That's a different. <laughs> yeah, he he'd always been wanting me to do that, and you know, I'm a writer, and I had never really done a lot with my writing. Um, so, um, of course, I had helped start a nonprofit, and and that had some marketing and writing behind it. But, anyways, I did this as as a fun project with Dad, and um, mostly writing about just. I didn't even know anything about branding. Like we just made up a name and just started doing it. And um, I, I just wrote about whatever I wanted, right? I wrote about kindness, a lot of stuff about kindness and volunteering and working with kids, a couple of ghost stories. Um, and a few things started to go viral. Uh, the Village Subway was the first one that really, really hit big. And as I was doing it, though, I was learning about uh, reading Google Analytics, building a website, using WordPress, uh, doing uh, graphic design, uh, social media marketing, uh, content development, content marketing. Um, I was learning all of this stuff. And once I had a few things go viral and our traffic was getting pretty good at the time, it was probably like 100000 a month. Now it's more like 500000 a month. Um, I was like, I guess I'd like to start maybe seeing if I could work in digital marketing. Let's see if I could make that transition. And I really wasn't sure. And I applied for a few jobs. And I remember applying for one job with um, Oxford University Press. And it was actually for a management position, which I really wasn't prepared for. But based on the title, I didn't know it was a management position until I was there. But I made it all the way to the third round of interviews. And I remember part of the interview process, what I had to, I had to create a marketing, uh, like just a marketing strategy for a fake, you know, project. 
and it was my first time ever doing it and I wasn't used to like the terminology and um but I had to learn and I didn't end up getting that job but soon after I was hired at the design and that was my first step into the world of marketing uh, I did uh, mostly blogs, so I would write content. Oh, my first blogs! My first blogs were just—I didn't understand at the time, like business content versus like <laughs> entertainment content and magazines. So I was writing very like flourished, you know, words and, and making it very, very fancy. And um, they had to tell me to cut the fluff. Um, but I learned, I learned and, and I was using it on an everyday basis. And they had me then doing the social because social just sort of came naturally to me. I'm very good at that. And I've always been good at understanding how to connect to an audience and how to get the audience to connect to something that I want them to connect to and just really understanding where that is. Um, And, uh, and, and even when, again, I was starting a nonprofit, I was always good at getting people to come out and volunteer. Amber would handle the nuts and bolts. That was my co-founder. She would handle the nuts and bolts of like getting it set up and I would get people to come and, um, to, to come to the event. And, um, so yeah, that sort of came out naturally at the design. I was really timid at first. Um, I was there for about nine months and, um, then I got an opportunity with the town of Cary. And I did marketing for them. Um, I got to do marketing for like huge events, 50,000 people plus events. And I worked with the NCAA and I just got all these other great opportunities and learned more about traditional marketing versus digital marketing. And um, yeah, and then I did some freelancing. And by that time, Candid Slice was really blowing up. And so a lot of local businesses were asking for my help just based on Candid Slice. And I was. Candid Slice was always something you you kept doing. I kept doing that, yes. Yes. Correct. And, and Oak city hustle magazine reached out and I did some work with them and just started to meet like local community leaders. And a lot of those freelance jobs came from that. And then eventually I, um, you know, I mean, I, I did like, I know like for Chirpa Chirpa Dumpling, they're the big yellow dumpling truck. I got to like design their truck. That was so fun. And, um, things that made me feel really part of the community. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you can look around Raleigh and go, Oh, I'm part of SparkCon, you know, I'm, I'm part of, yeah, yeah, you know, nice. the food truck rally, you know, I'm, I'm helping make things happen in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And, and I love being part of that. And the more you do that, the more you connect with people who also do that. And before I knew it, I had been in marketing for like five years. And I remember my coworkers saying, you were a preschool teacher. It's hard to imagine that. And I was like, wow, that's so weird because that's what I did for most of my life. So, yeah. yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised when I first learned that too. But you can definitely, you can, you can do it. A lot of people, the advice I have is to um, start your own website, get yourself a web presence and practice there so that you have something to show, um, have a portfolio. So you had this dream, you were, you were at point A and you were trying to get to point B, which was this freedom and doing what you love and maybe you went through Z and Y and all these other different points to get there but I think you got there. Yeah well definitely and (laughs) I I remember a point where um, I thought that if I could just get published one time in one magazine that that would be it. I'd have made it. I'm a writer. I did it. (laughs) One time I did it. Um, But I will say that I've noticed that once you start to get the things you want you then see other accomplishments that you want to reach. I, I think that's very relatable. I think everyone who who is very self you know self motivated and driven tends to experience that where you, you set your goal and you're like, why didn't I why didn't I shoot for higher? Yep. Yeah. But you don't realize it until you you 
or accomplish the goal. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Definitely. I mean, writing for ABC 11 right now has been a big win for me. I mean, I, I oh, love sure. getting to be part of that community and, um, I don't know, now I, now I dream of maybe I'll write for the New York Times or the Washington Post or, you know, just keep keep pushing or get a book. But for all our listeners with the New York Times, the Washington Post. <laughs> Let me in. Yeah. <laughs> you know where to find it. I'm really well, good. Gonna so we're going to be looking at this video and listening to this podcast in a couple of months and, and you're going to be doing that. So why didn't I, why didn't and I for hire. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, hmm. um, well, um, Neil, do you want to? I know you guys had been curious about the road trip. I, I don't know if that fits into. Please tell us a story yeah, about you can the tell road us a little trip. bit about yeah. the road trip. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've, I've heard a little bit about it, but I'd love to, love to know directly from you what. Uh, yeah. Well, so my actual dream, other than being a writer, which I think has been accomplished, um, I had always wanted to save the world, and my friend Amber and I shared that dream as teenagers and in high school. And um, I, I think it's another good example of how you can make things happen when you when you really, really want it and you try. Um, so we really wanted to save the world. And um, as teenagers, that ended up leading us towards volunteering, right? Helping out with nonprofits where we could be parts of causes. And so we started volunteering, but we couldn't really decide on which cause we were the most passionate about. There's so many, there's so much need out there and, and we couldn't meet all of it, just the two of us. And so we decided, well, if we're gonna save the world, we're gonna need more than just us. So rather than simply volunteering, what if we created an organization that helped other people volunteer too, that brought people together. So identifying whatever is preventing people from volunteering and helping overcome that and just even just being interesting and engaging and inspiring and trying to, you know, just encourage people and, and let them see how fun it is and, and what a difference it can make. So um, we didn't know anything about what we were doing, but we happened to meet two lawyers um, who really enjoyed our passion, our youthful exuberance. We were only like 18 and, um, you know, just out of high school and we're going to save the world already. And um, they helped us out for free pro bono. They, they gave us some help and they helped us first start a Kiwanis club. And we got some experience, you know, cutting our teeth on leadership and learning how to like run an organization and what's involved and set up service projects and organize volunteers. And we did that for about, oh, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe two years. And in the meantime, we still had our own nonprofit in our mind. But we were actually really disheartened. I mean, we were only like 20 at how much paperwork it takes to save the world. We're like, why can't you just help people and do good? Why can't why? You just do it? Yeah, <laughs> like we were like, it should just be easy to help people. So why much paperwork to save the world? There's a lot of paperwork to save the world. And um, we didn't, we, and we understand it better now. But at the time, we were really disheartened by that. And so we just decided we're going to take off and drive around the country just doing volunteer work and random acts of kindness. We're just going to leave and go do it. And no paperwork, you know, uh, no bureaucracy. We're just going to go do good. And part of it for me as a writer, and by the way, this is the book that I would like to write. Um, I know I've gotten book deals for history, but this is the book I would like to write. Um, it's the book about our road trip and us traveling around the country doing random acts of kindness and teaming up with nonprofits. We went to over 26 different states. We were 22 years old. Uh, we spray painted her car to say, do good. And we just left and drove around the country 
doing volunteer work and random acts of kindness. And when we came home, and we were, we were on the news at a lot of different locations, we got into magazines, um, and part of the hope was that our story, which is engaging, yeah. would, would get people inspired to go volunteer themselves, which I guess even back then, I was a writer and a storyteller, and thinking about what kind of publicity stunt can you do to get people to volunteer? And this was our publicity stunt, which at the time I wouldn't have thought of it in those terms, but it was marketing. It's literally a marketing vehicle. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it is. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and we came back, and um, that's when we actually started the nonprofit, the official 501c3 uh, nonprofit, which at the time was ME3, but later became Activate Good. And Activate Good, um, I, I, I eventually uh, moved on to go to college and finish up school, and Amber continued to run it. And Activate Good has continued to do so much good in the community. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I like to look back. My high school counselor, when I told them what I wanted to do, they said, what do you want to do with your life, Heather? And I said, I want to save the world, and I want to be a writer. And they said, that is not realistic. And, <laughs> and, and I started a nonprofit and have become a writer. And now um, a lot of times we team up. You know, she's still running Activate Good. I'm still writing. And I try to use my writing and storytelling to bring awareness to causes to help out Activate Good. And she, of course, comes to our events and helps us out too. So we're still teaming up to save the world. Um, yeah, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting her, and she's, she's an amazing person as well. She's really cool. Um, well, and Heather, your, your story is amazing. Um, I, I'd heard bits and pieces of it before, and I never really had the full picture. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you taking, taking a few minutes out of your day to, to sit down with us and tell us all about your journey. And Sure. And we definitely, you mentioned so many great things that you contribute to or, or that you've, you've helped start. So if you want to give any any ways for our, our listeners to kind of reach out to these organizations, now's a good time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking for a way to volunteer or get involved, um, it's activategood.org. Um, if you are looking for a place to write, um, candidslice.com or candidslice at gmail.com if you want to email me, that's a really great way to get in touch. And I love to work with aspiring writers who are trying to break into the publishing industry, but it's hard to get in without a portfolio. And so I'm happy to publish your work, give you a platform, and help you reach where you need to be to start getting into the publishing industry. Um, and that's Candid Slice. And... Otherwise, you can see my work on abc11.com. Um, that's uh, that's where my hidden history stuff is. So, excellent. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and for, again, for everybody listening, this is a new podcast, um, so please don't forget to give us feedback, um, leave us some comments, or send us a message. You can reach out to Neil or myself directly. Um, or you can reach. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Neil is the owner of VR Business Brokers, and I run Tortuga Marketing. Um, we were always looking for new speakers and guests to come by and, and talk to us about moments in their life where they've, they've had to pivot and, and change their overall direction. Um, but I think in general, Heather, thank you so much for, for being here with us. Um, anything you'd like to add, Neil? Thanks for joining us, Heather. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys.